Mobile is the future. Use it to power up your profits. Welcome to Mobile Power and Profit, presented by Rumble. Our show focuses on the latest news and information impacting mobile marketers, publishers, and technologists. We speak with the power players of mobile monetization. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Mobile Power and Profit, presented by Rumble. Please welcome our host, Wen Tu. Welcome to Mobile Power and Profit, presented by Rumble, the ultimate platform to run your mobile business. This is your host, Wen Tu, and each week we discuss a key aspect of the mobile industry with the mobile thought leader. We've had a few guests on the show talking about mobile analytics, and no one can deny that data is what should be driving all our decision-making, especially in the mobile landscape. Today, we're honored to have Henry Chipola from Localytics here to talk to us about the next step in analytics, predictive analytics and machine learning. Henry spent several years contributing to Microsoft's app analytics service before co-founding Localytics. He now leads the engineering team and oversees the technology vision for the mobile analytics company. With that, welcome to the show, Henry. Thank you. It's very nice to be on. What was mobile analytics lacking that led to the birth of Localytics? Uh, I think that Localytics' timing really speaks to that more than anything else. If you look at the way the analytics landscape looked, Right when the App Store was first coming out, it was very web-focused. A lot of things were happening on people's back ends. People were talking about page views and balance rates, and no one was doing anything around actual engagement. So when apps came out and they created this great engaging experience, which is bi-directional, it's real-time, it's personal, there were no tools that existed that could actually measure and then eventually help you create those experiences in apps because that just doesn't work on the web. So that is what was lacking, and that's why Localytics kind of was created when it was. So now it's been how many years now since the iPhone was introduced? It was introduced 2008. So it's been about eight years since the iPhone was first introduced. When it comes to analytics, what's changed over the past eight years? A lot has changed, even with apps and with the iPhone. When the iPhone first came out, you know, apps were a platform that was really related to mobile. They were kind of mobile apps. Now, apps are a big part of everyone's strategy. It's not just that thing on the iPhone anymore. It's a way to engage your customers. App experiences on the web are converging with app experiences and apps. Well, experience is changing dramatically. As a result, the analytics side is changing, too. Now you need to do much more measurement across all of your platforms. You need to tie things together much nicer. You need to get even deeper on what the engagements mean. And you need to turn it into something that's actionable and and reusable across all of these platforms. All of this great data is only as useful as what you can do with it. And it's only as useful as how related it is to where your business is going and where your products are going. So this is a rapidly evolving space, and the analytics need to rapidly evolve with it. So it's so interesting, you know, talking about how mobile gives us a whole new generation of data points, real time, it's personal. And it seems like gamers or gaming apps really have um, led the charge around data, especially um, folks like uh, uh, Candy Crush, in which they use a lot of that engagement data to really boost their mobile business. What can we really learn from the gaming industry of how they um, looked at data early on with apps? Well, I think there's a long history in gaming to using data effectively. 
look at what they do in Vegas. I mean, they know the right offers to give customers in terms of where to send them for dinner because people who eat at this restaurant will be more likely to do this later on in the casino, which is what they want to do. So I think you're seeing a lot of that be recreated or reused again inside the kind of new analytics strategy for games. But I wouldn't say that games are, are the only people that are, are doing this and doing this, you know, at a really high level, in a really, really sophisticated way. Consider all of the data that stores like Walmart are collecting on all of their customers and all of their transactions and how that's fueling the personalization that's going on on, the, on these shopping experience. So I would not say at all that um, gaming is the only place that's doing even necessarily the place that's totally leading the charge. I think they're a very visible example. But I think what you see in gaming is stuff that you're also seeing in other verticals, maybe specialized more towards the way that vertical does or does not work. So it's really interesting. You know, gaming does have such a great reputation on using data. But what other industries out there um, have you seen that has really understood um, and are very sophisticated in how they've been able to use their mobile data for engagement? I think commerce is an amazingly good industry example of that. All of these industries kind of learned from their web bigger brothers or forefathers. And if you look at what people were doing with data in e-commerce on the web, you see Amazon with their recommendations. You see eBay with their customized search results. So you're seeing apps that are doing that today. You're seeing apps like Rulala that are using data to figure out what um, to show you and where the the result, what results are going to be most uh, high converting. And I think e-commerce is definitely one of the largest areas that you're going to see that. I would also say that a lot of the content consumption apps are becoming very smart about how they use data. Which shows are people talking about? Which shows are people watching right now? Based on that, which shows do we recommend that you watch? What do we send down to the user in terms of what they're going to see? Who do you like? What is your favorite sports team? What scores did you look at yesterday? And then yeah. based on that and based on what games are happening today, what's the first score I show you when you launch my app today? So I think a lot of these content and consumption and shopping apps are using data about as effectively as anybody else. Just, um, just hearing you talk about all the ways that you can use data, especially in mobile and how personal it is, it can be um, quite overwhelming. Um, so as these uh, publishers or commerce retailers or, or gaming um, folks using data, what sort of the big lessons they learned in making that transition from being very web-focused to mobile-focused? I think a lot of it comes from knowing what it is you can and can't impact yourself. This is something that we work with our customers a lot on. When we help them figure out what it is they should be collecting, we're talking to them about what's actually actionable. Let's not try and boil the ocean here. Let's grab things that we can use immediately. So in all of those examples, like in the example about which scores to show a user, that's very easy to control. You have a, a web service sending some results back to the app, and that service can change the order before it gets to the app pretty quickly and easily. And so that's a very easy thing to change. So now we have to figure out what data do we need to collect in order to figure out what the best scores to send are. So if you have no idea where to start, then simple usage. What are people actually doing when they're in there? And who are the users that are most successful and why? And how do we make them do more of it? Who are the users who are least successful and why? And how can we try and improve them? And it, just starting with those questions as your key things that you want to figure out usually makes it pretty clear what we need to collect. 
the thing that makes me successful is that I actually purchased or I actually shared or I actually watched the content, whatever it is my app is trying to do. So let's record all of the data we can about that experience. Things that make me unsuccessful are never coming to the application, never using key features. So let's kind of record some of this behavior. And then we'll look at all of it and we'll try and find patterns. And then once we find patterns, we'll collect more data around those patterns to get them finer and finer so that we build these really gorgeous segments that describe every piece of the usage lifecycle. And then we have a pretty good result. Mm -hmm. It's interesting how you talk about um, being very clear of making sure that you can act on the data, making it actionable. And the way you talk about knowing what data to collect and how to really look at it, it reminds me of um, editors who used to do content creation. And it seems like now the data scientists or perhaps they're called growth hackers at some companies are now the data curators in which they have to swim through all this data to really find that nugget. Um, do you sort of see that being more and more of the case of having these data scientists or growth hackers curate the content a little bit more because there's so much of it? I think you see, you do see that in some cases for sure. But I think there are a lot of tools out there that will collect data and they'll know what data they're collecting and they'll provide ways to act on it. Tuning our own horn for a second, we collect a lot of data that allows you to segment your users. Then we give you different messaging, personalization, and disengagement tools to go back and either learn more from those customers or make sure they're having a good time. And that's a way that you can create a closed loop experience just within one tool so you don't need to have these data scientists or growth hackers. You will, of course, have organizations that do have these people, and in those cases, oftentimes they're, they're curating or they're coming up with strategy. But I, what I mostly see is it's people answering kind of questions. What is the content that's working best? Why did this launch go so well? What is, where should we be spending our ad dollars? And it's usually specific business questions that can be answered with data more than it is the day-to-day -day curation of the outgoing content. We've been talking all about mobile analytics and its function. Stay tuned. We'll be back shortly with more mobile power and profit right after this break. Stay tuned for more mobile power and profit after this brief profit timeout. Creating a website is not an easy task, and there are so many companies to choose from. How do I know which one is best? It's a big jump making your site mobile-friendly, generating sales, and answering questions with no struggles. If you want to come out on top, you need Frog on Top. At Frog on Top, we take the time to make your site generate money, not just look good. Our team of experts are WordPress savvy, and our customer service is leaps ahead. See why we say our websites are designed better by leaps and bounds by going to frogontop.com. Frog on Top, your one-stop solution for the web. Frogontop.com. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts, but did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Introducing Rumble, the smart mobile management system, the first end-to-end -end mobile platform where you can make real-time app modifications from a point-and-click dashboard. Want to change the design of your app? Point-click 
and it's live in real time. Want to change the ad map of your app? Point click and it's live in real time. Want to change the content mix of your app? Point click and it's live in real time. Power your mobile business with Rumble. Are you ready to rumble? Visit www.rumble.me. Giving you the power to increase your profits. This is Mobile Power and Profit, presented by Rumble, only on webmasterradio.fm. Once again, here's Wen Tu. Welcome back to Mobile Power and Profit. I'm here with Henry Chipola, who's been dishing out lots of advice about data, mobile data, and the industry, and how it's been changing. So, Henry, um, as the head of engineering for Localytics, you have been really putting out the vision out there for predictive analytics and machine learning for the company. Can you tell me a little bit more about what that means, sort of as a quick one-on-one for our listeners out there? Uh, absolutely. So the idea here is that you can use the data that you've collected and the historic data to answer questions about the future. Right? When I've got a user. Can I guess their intention or can I guess their state or some things about them I can then act on? The whole idea of using data is to find out what's working and do more of it, find out what's not working and do less of it. So if when you come to an application, I know what's working for you and what's not going to work for you, I can put those in front of you to guide you into the best possible experience before you even know what it is that you need to be finding so that you have a more likely chance of having a great experience. Mm -hmm. And when you think about sort of predictive analytics, um, it's really important to have lots of various data sources that you can triangulate. What are sort of the common or most important data sources you think folks should be looking at as they sort of go on the path from simple analytics onto what you're doing, predictive analytics and machine learning? Well, I think that you need to have data on the entire user lifecycle. If you're trying to make predictions about when a user is likely to churn, you kind of need to see them at the very beginning as well as at the very end so that you can draw connections and correlations about their usage as they went through their life cycle. So it's not about any one data source. It's about how complete the data you're getting is. At Localytics, we provide an end-to-end experience specifically because we believe that you have to see it all. Um, But if you aren't using a tool like that, then you need enough data to understand every single piece of touchpoint with that user so that you can guarantee that you're making predictions that are not too isolated or too specific or on too small of a sample based on what the reality or universe of your data actually looks like. Hmm. Really interesting. Uh, could you just educate our listeners out there? Because I know um, in mobile, there's something called event-based um, tracking versus in the web, there's a lot of cookies and things like that. Can you just educate our listeners real quickly the difference and how that's important to what you guys are doing at Localytics? Absolutely. So on the web, everyone cares about page views because that's what you do on the web. You load pages. It's very one directional kind of the content publisher puts content down on you and you load it. So the way you track that is basically you're tracking what users loaded what pages and that's the extent of it. Now, there's a couple of different ways to track users. Cookies is kind of the dominant standard. And so this is basically a little bit of data left by your web browser on your computer identifying you. So as you go through the different pages, a company can say, oh, these six page views were the same person. So now we know this about that person. The web is very sophisticated in the way cookies work, so you start to see them being shared across sites, and it creates a pretty good idea of what sites you're looking at and on those sites what pages you're loading. 
apps work very differently. The app is, is a much more one-to-one experience between you and a specific publisher. You're identified very well because every single device has an advertising identifier, which can be used to describe who you are personally and uniquely. That's not shared with other companies the same way cookies are at all. It's much more private. And no, no one wants to know what pages you're loading because when you launch an app, you're not loading pages. You're interacting with it. Those interactions are events. And so event tracking is really saying, okay, for this device or this person, what are the events and things they did so that we can understand how they're using the application and how it's going? Okay, so tying that back to, for you, it's really important to track the entire user lifecycle. It sort of seems that there might be two different approaches for localytics, um, for web and for apps. Is that true? Or um, have you guys figured out a way to sort of do the same methodology across both? At Localytics, we actually believe that the web experience is kind of converging on the same experience that you're getting in your app. More and more websites are feeling app-like. We actually call this appification, and we talked about the appification of the web because the app experience is so good. It's personal. It's fast. It's native. It's rich. So users are expecting when they interact with a brand on the web the same great experience they got on their device. So what we're doing is we're taking our app tracking technology that's all about engagement and all about the user and bringing that to the web because the old-fashioned cookie-based page load system just isn't getting the same data across that users are needing to do the stuff they're doing anymore. Actually, that's a great thing for analytics and uh, predictive analytics as um, the mobile web is starting to appify um, in which you're getting that detailed level of data for you to make predictions. Is that a proper way to look at it? It is a proper way to look at it. I would say that not only is the mobile web appifying, but even the desktop web is appifying. Look at many of the largest sites you get, and they've got all sorts of UI elements that are borrowed from apps, things like that little cheeseburger menu, which was first seen on Android and a lot of other places. So, uh, yes, it's actually a very good time because as more and more channels converge and as users move between channels, you're getting a much richer view of your user. You're learning that your user likes to use their iPad in the evening, but they use their desktop at work all day during the day and the early mornings are on their cell phone. And so Mm -hmm. as you get this rich profile of the user, you can use that to better inform your product development, your messaging or communication strategy, your acquisition strategy, and your retention strategy. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about predictive analytics, it seems as if that's sort of at the top of the food chain and level of sophistication. If, you know, step one is I just need to collect data and step two is I need to visualize and process it. And then step three is, OK, I'm going to sort of see if I can do perhaps A-B testing and sort of see a cause and effect. And then predictive is sort of the next level out there. It sort of seems seems like a big step that a lot of companies have to make. How do you sort of see this trend happening at companies who are making that move from a little bit of the just tried and true, perhaps A-B testing cause and effect into something that's more machine optimization um, oriented predictive analytics? How do you sort of see that happening in the industry right now? I believe that the tools that these companies are using are going to help them get there. I think that more and more tools are bringing in elements of predictive analytics or machine learning into what they do so that the customers or the end users in these companies don't have to become experts themselves. 
I don't think it's reasonable for every company to become exceptional at data science, and I don't think they need to be. I think what you need are great companies like Localytics providing data science back to those companies so that the companies can just consume our products and then get the value out of predicting their churn risks and saving them or whatever it is that they're trying to use predictive analytics to solve. So what does it take to set up and utilize predictive analytics effectively? I think that if you're working with a, a product that brings it in automatically, it's just a matter of making sure that you've chosen a product that meets your needs, fits your organization, and has good data. If you're trying to do it internally, then I think that it's a little bit different because you need to make sure that you have the staffing required and you have a plan to maintain the staffing to continue it. So you need someone to, of course, do this prediction. You need someone to give the predictors the data they need to do their predicting. And then you need people to execute on those predictions. One of the important things to remember about predictive analytics is that it's about understanding things about individual users quickly enough to act on them. So when you describe the different steps that companies take as they go through this process of getting more and more sophisticated, you stopped at kind of step two, which was they're visualizing data and charts to answer questions about their product. Predictive analytics is not actually as useful for answering questions about your product because the historical or the current data can usually achieve that. Predictive analytics is best when used with different kind of marketing automation or messaging automation so that the customer gets their experience changed quickly enough that those predictions are actually valuable, which requires a lot more people and a lot, lot more process and automation and programming in place than all of the steps before it. Yeah, so it seems like predictive analytics is such a hot trend right now, but the uh, successful execution of it takes a lot. Is one thing that you would warn anyone that is sort of starting out on a predictive analytics initiative internally at their company? What's sort of the number one advice that you would give them? The number one piece of advice I would give to people is to not boil the ocean. It's very easy to gather an enormous and almost impossible to work with data set to really understand something really clearly when actually what you needed was just the correlation. You don't need to go all the way to the causation level. You could have used a bit less data and you could have just tried things faster because iterations are usually the answer here. And so if you're going to start making predictions about a user and reacting to them in real time, you want to make sure that you have that flow really smooth. And the best way to do that is to keep it really simple to start. Don't collect everything and instead focus on just the few data points that you can really act on and you can really train your model with so that as you move through the process and you get more and more sophisticated, you've got really good infrastructure in place and you haven't fallen behind before you've even gotten started. Great advice from Henry Chipola about not boiling the ocean. It's not about the amount of data you collect, but making sure you have room to iterate. Great advice from Henry Chipola of Localytics. Uh, he's telling us when it comes to predictive analytics, don't boil the ocean and make room for more iterations. So with that, keep listening for more as we talk about how we weave mobile into the whole user experience right after these messages. Stay tuned for more mobile power and profit after this brief profit timeout. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat 
by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Reinventing keyword research, simplifying campaign optimization, redefining competitive analysis, SpyFu brings you an entirely new way to find the most profitable keywords for your SEO and PPC campaigns. New tools, new data, and a brand new look. We've streamlined SpyFu so that you can optimize your search engine marketing more efficiently, more accurately, and more intuitively. Visit SpyFu.com, that's S-P-Y-F-U.com, and start downloading your competitors' keywords now. Try it free. Finding links to improve your rankings in the search engines is time-consuming and frustrating for many of us. The Hoth is the go-to company to help lighten your link-building load. Their white-label SEO was made specifically for agencies, in-house SEOs, and affiliates. The Hoth also offers high-quality custom local citation building to improve search rankings in Google's Maps and localized results, providing fulfillment for some of the largest SEO companies in the world. The Hoth offers link and citation building services you can trust. Get $20 in link building or citation building credits free by going to thehoth.com slash radio, T-H-E-H-O-T-H dot com slash radio. Giving you the power to increase your profits. This is Mobile Power and Profit, presented by Rumble, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Once again, here's Wen Tu. Thank you for staying tuned to Mobile Power and Profit. I've been sitting here with Henry Chipola of Localytics talking about predictive analytics. Um, it's a hot trend in the industry right now, but a correlating trend is the cross-device experience. Mobile is really big, but tying it to all the other devices seems to be an even more important thing that has been occurring in the industry. Henry, what is your thought about cross-device experience or cross-device data? I think that cross-device experience is one of the most important things for companies to get right going forward. I think that users really love their app experiences on their devices, and they're expecting that as they move from device to device, whether those devices are TVs, connected weird devices like refrigerators, or their desktops, they're expecting a unified experience across all of it. There's a lot of great flows where I might do one thing on my computer that works really well with a large screen, but then I want to do something really specific on my iPad later, and then I need a real-time notification on my phone. And for that to be smooth, not only does the company need to create a good experience across all of it, but the company needs to understand my journey through all of that so that they can build a product that works really well that way 
as well as do personalizations and changes to my experience to make sure all of that's working. So the cross-device data is imperative to success going forward in apps. But cross-device data as a standard in the in- industry isn't a reality yet. Um, where do you think we are on that of, of when that will actually happen? Cross-device data is becoming more and more of a reality for companies that are doing this well. Companies that are giving you a cross-platform experience are asking you to log in. And whenever you ask a user to log in, you have to give them something for it. So what they're giving up is they're saying, we'll give you a really good experience. We'll have your work continue where you left off. We'll send your notifications to the right place, and we'll make it worth your while. And so for companies that do that, I do believe they're beginning to build pretty robust profiles about their users. A lot of our customers are using our profile service to understand which device do people use in the evening so that when they send an evening update, it goes to the right device. Or what is the common flow from throughout a workday on where they do most of their work within the app. And so I know people are actually collecting this data that day. So besides the, the tech titans out there that have troves of profile data, i.e. Facebook, you can't access Facebook unless you're logged in. They have perfect data of knowing who exactly is accessing um, their platform on which device. But for folks that may not, you know, have that luxury of having that profile all the time, whether it's content companies or retail companies in which there are a lot of passerbys, how do you sort of see those companies trying to solve for the cross-device conundrum? This is really challenging. Uh, If you don't have a login like Facebook, then it's hard. I still believe that between the value that you get out of things like social sharing and things like discounts and coupons and offers that you can send out and all the different tricks you have, you can get users to connect themselves and identify themselves across devices. And I, I think it's worth investing in that as much as possible. Where that's not possible, you have to start getting clever. You have to use things like deep linking in the app so that an email you sent to a user whom you discovered on the web connects to their app experience. You need to start using things like beacons in your store to connect an anonymous user to a certain store. And you can start to build profiles about users, maybe in in little circles first and, and grow them. But I do think that you'll see those technologies as well as more and more people being okay with kind of global logins and cross apps, both happening more and more frequently, such that we do tackle those problems. So it seems like there are two camps. There's one camp that um, wants everyone to have that great mobile value proposition so that they can encourage or maybe even strong arm their consumers in logging in each time. And there's another camp in which they say, you know what? Facebook, 20% of all time spent on smartphones are on Facebook. Let Facebook be the universal or global login and let's default to them so they become um, the Nielsen of all of mobiles, so to speak. Not the best analogy, but uh, you know what I'm getting at in which, you know, leave it up to Facebook to really crack that code and then from there piggyback off of whatever technology or whatever sort of login that they've created. Where do you fall um, between those two camps? I think you need to have two camps. I don't think either one of these is right because you're always going to have companies that need for business reasons to own the entire relationship with their customer, whether it's someone in FinTech or it's some kind of pharmaceutical app or it's something where they just the needs of the business are complete ownership of the relationship. 
You're also going to have small startups that are very mobile first and are not looking to uh, do much with the user in, in the early days. And for them, the ability to ride some of the advantages of Facebook's network effect are just so powerful that, of course, they're going to do that. So yeah. I believe that you need both camps and you cannot pay one. With profile data so critical, and, and you're telling us that it's a mobile imperative to get that cr- cross-device data, where does Localytics play in that uh, ecosystem? Localytics is a provider that enables the entire experience to work well from end to end. We're going to give you the best data about your user. We're going to do it across all of the platforms. We'll work with whatever ways we can to make that a nice unified profile of that user. And then where we take it further is we create a closed-loop system where you can take all of this data that you're getting and actually act on it, whether it's through messaging campaigns or it's through emails that you're sending out and connecting back to app usage, personalization in the application. We talked earlier about predictive analytics and actually predicting users' intents before they get there so you can change their experience to optimize it. We do the entire thing from end to end from when you first acquire that customer all the way to when you try and reacquire them later. And I think that it enables companies that want to do the data science or um, already have a data science practice and want to augment it or are doing great things but want to really blow out what they're doing on apps to get there really quickly since they don't need to focus on all of these bits and we can do it for them. Great. And and how t- does Localytics integrate with um, the social network's profile system and brings the social graph data into Localytics or is that something that is separate from your offering? Uh, this, that depends completely on what the customers are doing. So in a lot of cases, customers will already have social logins, in which case that data can come right into us and you can use it to build out your profile. If the application isn't doing anything with social today, then that's a bit more of a, of a what makes sense kind of play because you want to always keep the company's app behaving the way customers expect. Right? You yeah. never want to start using, forcing the customer to go through extra hoops just for data collection because at the end of the day, the customer wants the app that allows them to achieve their goal as quickly and directly as possible. Great. And would love to hear any um, use cases um, of Localytics and some of the partners that you have worked with of how they've been able to really combine, whether it's the cross-device data or the profile data we were talking about in this segment or in the last segment about predictive analytics. Um, Do you have any uh, case studies that you can perhaps share with our audience? Without naming names directly, uh, I can tell you that one of the largest sports apps in Europe uh, uses our churn risk prediction to detect when during the soccer season users are falling off. You have a lot going on in, the, in a soccer fan's mind because there's, their team goes up and down as the season goes on. There's a lot of different promotions and a lot of applications competing for space. So we this company the ability to look at their users and say, because based on who this user is following and what they're doing in the application, we know that they're probably a fan of this team, and we know that right now is a major churn risk, so now is the time to send that retention message that you've been saving. Or this user is really happy, so let's save the retention risk message for a little bit later when maybe things change. And I think that's a really good time, or a really good example. Another, I'm thinking with sports, another really good example is uh, a huge sports network in the U.S which uses our data to predict your favorite sports team. And then based on that, they can send you the right scores uh, back to the user when they launch the app so that without the user ever identifying themselves with a particular team, 
They see their favorite team scores listed right in the application, right when it launches, allowing them to get what they wanted as quickly as possible without having to actually do anything, which is why we use apps in the first place. Great. Those are wonderful examples. Um, to our listeners, we've been sitting here with Henry Chipola of Localytics telling us analytics is really about making it actionable. Find out what's working. Do more of it. Find out what's not working. Do less of it. Predictive analytics doesn't require all the data that you can collect, but just the key correlations so that you have room to iterate and do those wonderful things that Henry just talked about with the sports teams sending the right scores to the right people. It's been great having you on the show, Henry. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. I had a lot of fun and I thought this was a very interesting topic. Great. Um, And um, if our listeners wanted to find out more about Localytics, uh, where should they go? I highly recommend you come to www.localytics.com. You'll see our blog. You'll see some of our white papers, a lot of our material, talking in more depth about every single thing that uh, we talked about here. And that's a great starting point. You'll also see links to events that we're hosting and places that we're at, so you can engage with the company directly as well. Great. So to all our listeners, remember, you can find this and more podcast episodes of Mobile Power and Profit in the iTunes stores or simply going to mobilepowerandprofit.com. Tell us what you thought of today's episode on social media using hashtag RumbleMPP. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Mobile Power and Profit presented by Rumble, the ultimate platform to run your mobile business. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.webmasterradio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.